and it says that this is Moses' staff. Oh. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> so first of all, a little disappointed because I'm in the Charlton Heston Moses right. camp where it's supposed to be like taller than... It's like eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah. So right off the bat, I was skeptical because of my movie knowledge, right. you know, Charlton Heston. But I'm saying, clearly, this can't possibly be. But sure enough, people, some nerds and some eggheads had done some research on this. They've done PhDs and said this is most likely the staff. Welcome to the pilot season of Crossing Fades, a podcast featuring a Christian and a Muslim talking religion and politics. What could possibly go wrong? Your co-hosts for this adventure are me, Matt Hawkins, a once policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, and my New York Muslim friend, the multi-talented John Pinna. Show notes, bios, and all our social media links are available at crossingfades.fireside.fm. If our show captures your attention, there'll be information on later episodes about sponsorship opportunities. Here now is the pilot season of Crossing Phase. Are we recording? We are now. Welcome, Penna. All right. So, uh, I got a few things on my mind, and they got you got to bear with me because I got, I'm in New York, so I got my accent is coming out. <laughs> you're, so you're, I hope I don't the, commit a hate, hate you're crime. You're in the homeland, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of an issue, you know. So I was trying to explain to my friends. Who are from you know my DC buddies? Yeah. I was just talking to guys at the White House, and we're chatting back and forth. And I go, look, if I start off the conversation with no offense, I could say whatever I want, and then if you react, it's no. I always said no offense. I don't understand it's what the problem. It's a get out of jail free card. Yeah. You're supposed you know? to not have a problem with it. You know, like no offense, but your mother's ugly. You know, and then they get mad at me, and they're like, they're like, what do you mean your mother's ugly? My mother's ugly. I go, I just said no offense. I just said that. Let's move along. So, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I just had this funny conversation this morning. It was really funny about the, about that whole thing, and uh, and and we're talking with people at state, you know, in yeah. the main state. We're going back and forth, and of course, then my my DC colleague is explaining that to the people at state, and no one's getting it. Yeah. So they're they're all kind of like, uh, um, all right, let's. So uh, Jesus nails. Jesus so I don't knows. know. Yeah. So I don't know if this is, I don't, like I said, I'm a little nervous about saying it, but I know this is a safe space, but between you and I, uh, the two of us, but the Jesus nails. So what do you know about Jesus nails? And I don't know. Are they called Jesus nails? I, I Well, I'm not sure what we call them. We can call them Jesus nails for shorthand. Why not? Okay. I mean, I mean, maybe they, they, cause there's crucifixion nails, crucifixion nails, right? Which are spikes. elusive. There are not many, spikes. Not right. Many and from, um, the what we call the New Testament era, or <clears throat> yeah, first century A.D. Well, you've seen Spartacus, right? The movie, and you know the history of Spartacus. Right. So you know there were there was a, a, a an industry, I guess, of crucifixion during the Roman period, right? Right. So, and, but none but none of these spikes exist except for a few. A um, few. And so I was in, I think. I think it was Milan, uh, and and one of the spikes was in one of the churches there, supposed to be in one of the churches there, and uh, for that 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 uh, was associated with you know with Jesus, and uh, uh, you like how I said associated because I don't know what the trite term is to how to talk <laughs> about what happened. Cool. Right, so, associated, yeah, that's fine. So so um, Report, but, reported to be associated, right, right, and uh, so there's this guy. He's called a naked archaeologist, uh-huh, and he. Yeah. Uh, um, 
is is this is a, a Jewish uh, archaeologist that goes all over the world. He has a show that's on uh, Amazon Prime, and uh, and he did this whole business about the crucifixion nails, and to be honest with you, the the big appeal was because it was uh, because he he was this, these crucifixion nails were focused on Caiaphas's grave. Okay. And so Caiaphas is a high priest who uh, was part of uh, Christ's or Jesus Christ's uh, trial when he was right. uh, sentenced. Well, he was the head of the Sanhedrin. You right. know, he's the head rabbi, but mm. admittedly probably in the top three coolest names of all times, right, right? Caiaphas. Right. So that's this part of my my passion is, okay, so. Just to what extent I, do you care about the nails versus what extent do you just think Caiaphas is a cool name? Um, well, Kaif, I think both are equally, if not compelling. Um, um, but I think uh, I think that uh, being such a cool, cool name, the problem is, is that you, no one can name themselves Kaifis because he's kind of responsible. Yeah, the name comes uh, with some for, historic baggage. Right, right. I, I, and I don't want to like I, said, I know that there's some uh, question of whether it was Pontius or. Caiaphas or the two of them, I don't know, and I'm not making a judgment or taking a position on anybody's responsibility in the whole affair. Sure, but because <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the political lens is there. But how cool is the name Caiaphas? Let's just start off with that. That's pretty cool. That's a cool name. Uh, and and but nobody can be called Caiaphas or be named Caiaphas, otherwise you're associated with the business right. um, of the crucifixion. So this guy, the naked archaeologist. Uh, he, he does an analysis of the, the Caiaphas tomb. Okay. And I think it's generally accepted that the tomb of Caiaphas that was excavated was uh, is the high priest and his son and, and the grandfather. Um, and inside the Caiaphas box, and yeah. I don't know exactly what it's called, but the, 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 the box that the box where they, the they put the bones in. It's smaller it, than a coffin, yeah. but yeah. yeah, it's on a. I, I know it's called something, but so there's two crucifixion nails found inside the box. Yeah, Caiaphas's box, and and uh, it's odd. It's it's extraordinary for something like that to be in the box. But usually, you put you place things like uh, um, things that were important to the person in the box, right? right. So, um, and. Uh, you know, there would be a little strip with a name Caiaphas in my box, you know, because I thought it was I think it's cool. Right. So the challenge is, is that he asserts that these are the crucifixion nails, the Jesus nails. Ossuary. That's the name of the box. An ossuary. Like I said, you're the brains of the outfit. <laughs> well, no, you know? Google is the brains on that. But, you know, <laughs> right. um, so I think that my question to you is, um, you know, first of all, have you heard of this? Second <laughs> yeah. of all, if you haven't, right? What's the song dance on the crucifixion nails? Important the importance of yeah of them with uh, of finding them because apparently these two nails now are in in at a university in in uh, in Israel yeah and uh, they're just kind of sitting there so yeah and I know that you're you're a Baptist so you're right. not you're not as passionate about the relic situation sure as maybe other parts of the the uh the christian Other faith parts but of christendom yeah 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 i mean i know that the catholics gotta you know have a you know a pretty decent situation with that then they have right. all of these rules but um 
but I thought maybe I you know, maybe we could do a real read in on that. Yeah, that's a good question. I have heard of them, uh, and I did catch uh, at least part of that documentary. It seemed pretty fascinating. Uh, looks to be relatively credible. Like you said, it looks like the, the Caiaphas grave is fairly well uh, documented when it was excavated. And uh, it looks like it's fairly credible as to <clears throat> who he was. I think it was him and his son were buried, buried in that in that tomb. And uh, like you said, well documented. Uh, pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, if the question, of course, is, are these nails used to crucify Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth? And uh, that's a that that is an outstanding question, but like you say, the facts of the archaeology uh, bear out to be pretty compelling, pretty interesting. And so, naturally, a lot of questions surrounding that: what if? Uh, who cares? What does that do for the faith? What are the ramifications for other faiths? Right? How, you know, does it does it provide more legitimacy in the eyes of some? Uh, if uh, you find tangible archaeological evidence that can be traced back to uh, a biblical event, like like the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, pretty interesting stuff. Like you said, I'm a Baptist. Um, we're in the Protestant tradition uh, and, uh, you know, not so much associated with uh, the Catholic or the uh, <clears throat> the Catholic traditions in the, in the way that we, uh, we don't seek out, uh, we don't pay attention, frankly, much to relics of, um, of biblical times or of saints. So uh, maybe we'll have to have a Catholic friend on to uh, do justice to that subject. But I can tell you from a Christian perspective, uh, or at least a you know evangelical you know, Protestant perspective, that there's always great interest in things that corroborate archaeological discoveries that corroborate the biblical narrative. Um, people are always interested that in that. Uh, as you know, there's n- now a, an entire museum, the Museum of the Bible, in Washington, D.C. now that is dedicated to the particular history of the Bible. Um, they try to do a fairly, you know, you know, uh, ecumenical presentation and that it tries, it's trying to appeal to Jewish and Christian history. And so they've got Jewish scrolls dating back, you know, thousands of years, like physically in there, uh, which is pretty remarkable. Some of the earliest uh, segments from uh, biblical manuscripts are in there. Now, sometimes you just have a piece of a page, but it's pretty remarkable stuff. So you move into these kind of relic kind of things and uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, American evangelicals are always interested in things that corroborate the biblical narrative. Um, but our counsel typically, my counsel is to hold those things lightly, right? You know, they're interesting. They're worth documenting for sure. The tradition of any religion that's worthwhile to keep and to, uh, to study and consider what it might, what implications it might have. What, from what I know is that I went to Marist college which was a Catholic, you know, college and they had, uh-huh. they had a, like a, a piece of the finger, of of uh of saint champagne who's the guy the french french monk who helped find the uh, found the marist order mm-hmm. we're pretty passionate about that pinky finger and uh but i know there's like your second tier third tier um, uh, uh relics uh-huh. uh uh you know, that would be like of the person you know a, a part apart or, or of the person and then those associated by touching or interfacing with the person and then those are artifacts that had touched the thing that touched the person you know right. and then there's things that have been blessed by the person so i know I, I don't know all the hard fast rules but but from a historical like just from a historical perspective just having an artifact from the crucifixion because the as far as i know the the cross doesn't exist right um anymore that's gone 
right? If there was a cross, we yeah. know that something had happened that was a, because you could crucify someone in many ways, but the cross is, doesn't exist. But the, if the nails were uh, the actual nails, right? then here's the other question. If, if it conduct, if there was matter on there from Jesus DNA, right. and you were able to, this is a crazy question. I, you were able to this is the use the DNA. To, this is the sci-fi portion of our question. To, co- to our... use the DNA to clone Jesus, uh, would that count as the resurrect? Not the resurrection. The second the, coming. Him coming. The second the coming. Second coming. Would that count? And then what happens if you can make many of them? Right. Yeah. So where do you weigh and, in on that? And, and to to really mess with you. You know, Christians believe that he was both fully God and fully man. So would the DNA uh, cloning of him uh, also be, would, would he be just human or would he be uh, uh, fully, fully God as well? Uh, and, and well, and let me just say, this is not a, I'm not taking any positions on this. No, definitely and number one, not. number two, this is not a part of any theology of, from, from the Muslim community, nor do I speak for the Muslim community, but I just, this is me specifically asking you as we would do normally when I call you and be like, okay, what's going on with the Jesus nails? Do we right. know what's happening here? And you know, I have a second thing to ask you a second artifact. So, yeah, well, I think the, uh, the, the, the caution that uh, evangelical theologians provide Americans, uh, American Christians is that, um, we have to be really cautious because in the Christian tradition, uh, it's, and, and, you know, certainly Old Testament Jewish history, uh, we know that humans are, are liable to seek out um, idols, basically, inanimate objects to uh, care about more importantly than what we would believe, which is the text of Scripture and, and God. So uh, to the extent that relics become objects of, of worship versus just of, of interest and archaeological collaboration that to us is risky and damaging to the faith not to mention with you know initial reports when these kinds of artifacts are brand new it's hard to get a handle on what's truth and what's what's uh, really fact-based but it certainly does beg the question and uh, I'm always fascinated anytime uh, artifacts from biblical history uh, present themselves and so uh, I imagine you guys have some interesting artifacts from Islamic history as well, I presume. Well, I mean, I, I think the statement that we have from uh, the first statement is we, you know, we're big on, we're not big on necessarily artifacts so much as we are places of pilgrimage, right? Okay. So, and we're very careful about imagery, as everyone knows. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, <laughs> you know, the idea that you know there is no image, therefore, and there's that the, the everything it, it leaves us in safe harbor way because no one's. No one's gonna get. Uh, no one's depicting the, you know, the, the prophet and his family. Peace be upon him and his family. You know, and no one's gonna be. No one's gonna be doing that. Especially, and it's not just. It's not just. You know, as Muhammad. It's, it's uh, any of the 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 the, 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 the prophets that had, that that preceded uh, Muhammad. So you, when you talk about. That includes Hazadisa, who's Jesus, or Musa, which is Moses, and 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 Abraham. You know, Abraham. All there's no there's no imagery. Right. Uh, and the idea is that once you you start getting into uh, dangerous waters, when you people start interpreting uh, the the images of of prophets, um, when it comes to artifacts, 
There is. There's quite a few uh, artifacts. Um, I'm going to be. I have, my second question is about something very specific. But okay. if you go to uh, Istanbul and in, in 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 Istanbul, there's the, the Ibrahim's bowl. Uh, one of uh, one of his uh, Abraham's bowl was there, which uh-huh. was uh, uh, which is in the museum in the Top Kapi Palace, and that's. You know, one of the spoils of war from when uh, Constantinople fell, uh, and uh, but we're big on p- places of pilgrimage. So uh, Mecca obviously is a place, uh, and of course the, the Alexa Mosque in, in Jerusalem. Uh, but then you have some of the the different places of of pilgrimage for different sects within Islam, and uh, it's not a homogeneous religion, right? So right. Uh, Shia uh, uh, tw- tw- Twelvers, those that follow to the Twelfth Imam, uh, are very passionate about Karbala, you know, in, in, in Iraq. Uh, and uh, and, and that's, that's a place of pilgrimage there, as in Ismaili, you know, Cairo and Medea, Cairo in, 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 in Egypt, Medea, which is where the Ismaili faith was founded uh, in Tunisia. Uh, is is a cool place um uh, medina you know there's different places of pilgrimage and then shrines right yeah. um you know there are bits and bobs there i was i had a moment with uh i had a moment in time when i was in istanbul which i frequent quite often i was at i was walking through a doorway and i had this overwhelming feeling of something and you can call it you know a bad kebab or you can say it was you know, divine <laughs> intervention but uh i had a moment where i said something strange is happening and i spun around and i saw this little glass case mm-hmm. right up to my 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 waist i look at it and i go what is this and there was this there's this this stick there uh that's about maybe uh two or three feet long Mm-hmm. And there's all this Hebrew written on it, and I'm I'm reading through with a pam with a little uh, a little uh, note on it on on the that that says oh this is this this is that you know the little plaque, and it says that this is Moses' staff. Wow. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> That's so not nothing. first of all, I'm just gonna be I'll be honest, a little disappointed because I'm in the Charlton Heston. Moses right. camp where it's supposed to be like taller than it's like eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah. So right off the bat, I was skeptical because of my movie knowledge, right. you know, Charlton Heston, where I'm saying clearly this can't possibly be. Um, but sure enough, like I did some research and some, some pretty smart people, some nerds and some eggheads had done some research on this. They've done PhDs and said, this is most likely the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I was, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, every time I go to uh, Istanbul, uh, I shouldn't say every time, but every third time I go to Istanbul, I, I'll pop in, and uh, it's pretty, pretty awe-inspiring to have this, to, we have this connectivity to Moses' staff, yeah, uh, and uh, which you know parted the seas, you know, and did a, and turned into a snake, you know, right. so. Um, I don't know what the other powers are, but those, and it's the same thing in Islam. So it's, we, as we, they say, Musa is Moses, you know? Um, it, well, then, then that kind of doubly makes your museum visit, uh, interesting because it, as they say, you walked past it. If it were, were a snake, it would have bit you. And right. <laughs> you have a rod that may have been once been a snake. 
Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I, I, admittedly so. I was, I was taken a little bit back. I go, I don't know what's, and so, but it's really strange. It's through this doorway, so it's in the the, the uh, pillar of the doorway, and it's it's inset and then covered in glass. Yeah. So you could easily miss it. And uh, there's a, a very famous picture. There's a very famous painting of of the uh, the sacking of Constantinople uh, by the by the Turks. And uh, all of the relics of, of Christendom is are sort of brought into the square, and there's this pile, uh, and there's an inventory of them, and this is one of the things that's in the inventory. Yeah. So along with Ibrahim's bowl and a few other things going on there, and so it's kind of kind of a sexy thing to go and visit, <laughs> and then I don't know, I you know, and again, where does this fall? I mean, what is you know if if, if, if you're able to handle the rod now, no one's, I'm not a prophet, beloved of God. So sure. let's just say you, you know, is there, is, is there some business associated with the, with the, with the staff or is it like a one and done? Like, you know, it's, it's out of energy now because right. Moses is the only dude that could do it. Right. What you, what's, what's your take on that? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think, you know, it's good. Well, I mean, I think that's the, the, your, your question strikes at the heart of why, uh, evangelical pastors will caution, um, caution us against uh getting too attracted to relics uh, because for that very temptation is we wonder we want we're attracted to power right and uh we wonder if you know we wonder if something like that <clears throat> a relic could turn into a, a good luck charm uh if not by ex explicitly you know performing miracles like if you if you picked it up out of the glass case like what would you be able to do with it would you be able to turn it into a snake well, of course, the the biblical uh, narrative ha has to do with God's power and, and God acting in, uh, in through through Moses and through the staff. So, uh, even from I think an Orthodox reading of, of Scripture, uh, we're not going to look. We're gonna, not going to look at the staff as it, it happened to be the staff that had the power. Right. right. It was uh, God was enable was enabling Moses to use the staff to, you know, make some points, <laughs> uh, both both in front of Pharaoh and in front of the. Uh, uh, in front of the Jewish people. So, uh, you know, turning it into a snake and then, uh, um, and then, uh, you know, parting the Red Sea. Um, but I, I will point out, um, the whole staff thing is an allusion to the, um, or kind of a reference and a foreshadowing of the whole shepherd, um, office that that we viewed Jesus as holding. So he was a shepherd, right? There's a, an infinite text of uh, scripture <clears throat> talking about shepherd and, and uh, you know, Jesus being a shepherd that rescues the sheep. And uh, as we know from the biblical text, Moses uh, served about, what, like 40 years or something, better, a significant part of his adult life, uh, tending to sheep. So that's presumably where the staff came from, right? And so uh, it was just in the, in the context of, uh, you know, demanding, demanding freedom for the Jewish people and, and then guiding them through the wilderness that, uh, it became all of a sudden, not just a sheep's, uh, shepherd staff, but something that really played a role in, in the history of the Jewish people. So, uh, it's pretty remarkable to think, um, anything, uh, of that antiquity, uh, still exists. Pretty remarkable stuff. I plead ignorance as far as, uh, you know, the credibility of, um, archeological finds and stuff, but it certainly, you know, it, it, anything, you know, and I imagine you you may feel the same way from the Islamic um, text, but you know, I think Christians in particular, they recognize that 
we we believe the Bible to be uh, you know God's word to man. Um, we don't believe it to be a a naturalistic history of Earth, but we we do believe it to be you know a, a description of a historic relationship between God and and man. And uh, just for the sake, it, but either way you cut it, even if you don't believe that, clearly the the Bible is a collection of um, ancient ancient writings and documents. So anytime archaeology discovers something that corroborates, oh well, these people actually were writing about something that we have found tangibly to exist. Um, that's pretty pretty interesting, and I think it that helps um, you know corroborate the authenticity um, of any any historic document yeah no i it, well in, in psalm the living word of allah of god is you know in the quran it's a living mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dynamic um, right. document as if allah is speaking right so yeah. and uh um you know so i th- it's i think there's the same dynamic there uh, when it comes to the quran and you know all the same stories are there you know the yeah. moses the flood all this business but you know ha- you know it was it's it's a, a pretty amazing feat, you know. And you could it's Googleable, just Google sure. you know, the, the staff, <laughs> staff for noises. for for the some of the spoils. And I think this is largely overlooked. Some of the spoils from the uh, the downfall, the fall of Constantinople are still there, and yeah. anyone can go and visit and mm-hmm. see it. It's um, and uh, uh, there's you know there, I mean there's some kaftans there from uh, the prophet and his his. Um, his daughter and and a few other places, you know, Fatima, and uh, and so there's a there's a there's a quite a few uh, interesting relics in the Topkapi Palace, and I think they're all, like I said, they're all tied to uh, a lot of them are tied to that 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 the taking or sacking of, and preserved because they were largely overlooked by by the the Islamic community over there, yeah. um, um, and of course there's the what I call the saddest building on the planet. Which is the Hagia Sophia, yeah. um, and uh, I mean, you're, you can go through the Hagia Sophia, and you can see where the the the, the emperors were crowned, huh. and uh, it's an amazing place. But the challenge is, is that it's not used for services. So you have the Blue Mosque that's a stone's throw away, okay. and of course, before the Blue Mosque was built, the Hagia Sophia was was used as a mosque, and uh, and there is the Sort of running narrative that you once a building is used as a mosque, you can't use it uh, for any other intended purpose. Oh, um, which, you know, I'm gonna. It, it, is I, that I, fo- is that followed consistently, or is there is there varying degrees of uh, application for that? Well, let's well let's just let's just take read this like just recently of what's going on. Um, in in Washington D.C., right. uh, a lot of the prayer spaces for Muslims are in churches. <laughs> uh, uh, so, and that's because the the, the multi faith communities collaborate right. with each other. Um, and, and square and, footage is obnoxiously expensive in D.C. Uh, and well, and I think that uh, that's true. And and the, the challenge is okay. Um, there, there is, there is a quite a bit of, um, uh, uh, there's, there's quite a strong narrative that says that, you know, non-Islamic places of worship, uh, converting to mosque cannot be used. Uh, they can't sort of retrograde back to that religion. 
Interesting. Um, there, there is, there is a narrative um, sure. uh, of this uh, within within Islam. Uh, the validity, I would question the validity of of the reference points on okay. that. You know, so let, let me let me just let's just start off with the, the holy day weekly in Islam is Friday. That's right. when you have Juma prayer, and then you have the hutbah, which is. Uh, I don't know what it's the homily, the 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 sermon, sure, sure. Uh, given by the imam, right? That's Friday. Uh, on Sunday is, you know, actually on Saturday is the 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 holy day, right, for the Jewish community, right? right. And then, uh, and then you have Sunday, which is the holy day, right? So it's good, you know, at, for for Christians. So let's just start off with a practical element of the buildings not being used, right? for the services on the same days, which right. is in, in which, so, so there's no, there's no conflict right there, um, for all three Abrahamic faiths. So uh, theoretically, uh, they all could use the same space. Of course, th there's, there's gotta be, uh, there's some practical elements. I think that the uh, Christian faith, depending on which sect, uh, you know, you'd have to have a, an altar right? or you may or may not have an altar. You may or may not have to have a, section for all the accoutrement, uh, you know, for the uh, the Eucharist, right? Right. Do you guys call it the Eucharist? Uh, we do, uh, not commonly, but uh, we call it the Lord's Supper. Uh, okay. It's more, it's more traditionally <clears throat> within the evangelical context, we call it the Lord's Supper. Okay. So, you know, so I know that we, there's... I, you know, we, we definitely, we, uh, we understand it differently than, than Catholics do. Uh, right. To be certain. And the Eastern Orthodox, you know, they have mm -hmm. a, you know, that they, they, there's no, there's only natural light and candles, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. there's no electricity in the show. So, so I'm sure there's, there's some logistical stuff like there, sure. but I don't think, I mean, it, I just feel like, I feel like that building, sh there should be, you know, th they should allow church, some church services there. Why not? You know? Um, and, and I think that, um, there's there is precedent when it comes to like uh, areas where there's been much Muslim immigration, mm -hmm. where buildings have been changed, and when there's been mu Muslim um, emigration, where they've left, um, uh, that there's been m buildings that have con been converted back. Yeah. I think that the justifications within Islam are kind of questionable yeah. um, and are, and highly questionable, and it's it comes from. Uh, really, uh, an interpretation that is very, very rigid, rather than multi-faith and engaging, yeah. as uh, which is the true purpose of Islam. Um, and I think that, uh, and that's part of the struggle within the community right now, is dealing with uh, extremist groups uh, that might claim to be Muslim or are Muslim, but are looking at a very rigid line sure. in interpretation. Uh, but I, I, I go into the, I went to the, I went to the Hagia Sophia and I just, I couldn't, I, it just, the building was so sad. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, and, and if, you know, if, if it was, it was one of those things where I just go, why, why don't we just let, you know, why doesn't the Turkish government, why don't they just kind of, and I'm, I'm not advocating hard or doing a hard advocate, uh, hardly hard. I'm not advocating hard for this, but sure. just saying, fair question. I just, I, I just feel like there's no reason, particularly the blue mosque is right there. They're not doing anything that it's on Fridays. There's no Juma prayer. And if there was no big deal, but yeah. it's now looked at as sort of like a museum piece. Mm -hmm. And that building was the center of the Eastern empire. Wow. Uh, and, you know, coronated 
you know, uh, you know, emperors for the, uh, the Byzantine Empire for all that time, and it just, you know, you pop a pop a few pop a few services in there on Sunday. <laughs> You know, what, what would be the problem? Yeah, that'd be, that's pretty fascinating. Well, you know, on the on the flip side, um, speaking of D.C. and churches, you know, we have an issue where uh, a lot of the churches, um, the congregations who own church buildings uh, in D.C. have uh, kind of withered away. And so you have some beautiful church buildings being converted into condominiums. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, no. So yeah, I mean, we have no we have no theological objection to that or, or implications uh, like like Islam may. Uh, it's just it saddens people. Um, it's it's sad that uh, uh, buildings that were once used to uh, gather for the worship of God are now um, not being used. Not not to say housing is not important or not worthwhile, but you know, it's kind of sad. Uh, the end of the near era. Um, but then, you know, Christians can recognize also in that, that it reminds us that, uh, the church quote unquote, um, uh, theologically speaking is actually, it's the gathered people, right? It's the people gathered, uh, people of God gathered together. That's the church. Um, and, uh, for us, uh, it doesn't matter where, what building we are in. My, my Baptist church in DC was meeting in a public high school, uh, for example. So we're frequently reminded that the church quote unquote is the people. Um, we, we call church buildings churches for shorthand. Um, and it's, it's common enough, uh, parlance that, that we just kind of sometimes forget, uh, the demarcation, but we're, we have those conversations too. Yeah. And I, I mean, there, there is a, and I want to make the distinction. There's a distinction between a prayer room and, and a mosque, obviously, yeah, or a mosque. Yeah. you know, there's a distinction there. Yeah. And, and I, and I get that. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a religious scholar. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, try to interpret religious, religious texts, nor, nor Islam, but I, the, the difference between, you know, a prayer room could be anywhere. A mosque sure. is, 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 yeah. is a, 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 you know, a, a holy place of worship for the community, for the Ummah. So I, you know, I, I understand there's nuances there, but I, th- I do, th- I understand in, it was converted right in the 30s, uh, the Hagia Sophia, to a museum. But I, I think they could. I think that it'd be a really uh, what a great interfaith, multi-faith gesture to have a service every Sunday there, you know, and have you know some Eastern Orthodox priests, you know, fathers would, would you know rock in there and and you know with the incense and and a few peeps. And I think it would be a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful multi-faith gesture for, by the, the Turkish government uh, for the, the global multi-faith community as a, you know, as a, as a thing. Hey, look, you know, we're we're all about this. You know, we're living in the, in the same same uh, neighborhood, yeah. and we're all Abrahamic. Yeah. Um, so why 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 can't we just uh, uh, acknowledge not only that we're here, but that this place has significance in the Eastern Orthodox tradition yeah. specifically. I, I, you know, and, uh, and as a nod to the Eastern Orthodox community, let's, let's do something like that. I mean, I'm not saying that we rock in there with, you know, the 200 or 300 plus different sects of Christianity sure, and sure. say, let's, you know, I don't even know what that would look like, but the, but for the Eastern Orthodox tradition, I think that, uh, having some of those guys that rock in there and, and, and conduct a, yeah, you know, their Sunday mass would would be a, a, a it'd be a it, the building would be a lot less sadder. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'd be there'd be some life in it, right? And uh, presumably, you you would have to think that would um, uh, be fruitful and provide some you know, dividends in in the context of multi faith relationships, right? 
just wow, just that, from a that, diplomatic yeah diplomatic, diplomatic, yeah, diplomatic I mean, you, it's, it, that would be it would have to i don't know release some of the tension well here's the other thing the building's not going anywhere right. and i think True. the donations that's number one number two is right. i think the donations to the to the build to, to restore the building right. uh would, would probably go up right you know once yeah, yeah. you know especially especially once you do something around christmas right which yeah. we all the eastern orthodox christmas different than the sure a regular Christmas, so yeah. so yeah, you know, you pop that. I think people would would, you know, I I think there would be a a, a great subsidy. Well, when people are yeah. using a building and uh, uh, they tend to want to take care of it. John and I launched this podcast because we think it's an opportunity to show a unique friendship and have some interesting conversations with our friends. We invite you to join us. If you like the show and would like to explore sponsorship opportunities, contact me on Twitter at mthawk or on the web at crossingfades.fireside.fm. So, what's the what, what are the places of pilgrimage for for the Baptists? What's because we got the Hagia Sophia. We're right. talking about in Islam. You know, we obviously have have have, have Mecca, the Kaaba, you know, right, and 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 Medina, and a few other Karbala. So, is it you know Southern Baptists? Do you, what's you know besides Jerusalem? I'm pulling that out. So, so and maybe not in Jerusalem. Where do you go? Is it the, is it the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? Is that a you know, is I that have, a, I haven't been yet, but yeah, that's what that, I understand. That's a that's a big that's a big deal. A lot, a lot of Christians like to walk um, the Via Della Rosa, uh, which is okay. the, the path that Christ walked um, on the, the way Mount to, of Olives mm-hmm. all the way down. Yeah, the Mount the, of the, Olives. The Palm like, Sunday, right? like all you know, all those New Testament and Old Testament locations, man, they're they're all over it. Um, and uh, I know, I know from Christian friends who've visited, like it just gives them a really, really high, high appreciation. They feel more connected to the ancient text in a way that uh, they didn't before they went. Um, so when you can see all those landscapes that are, uh, you know, told about in the Bible, um, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. And I think too, um, it gives people a tangible uh, experience uh, because, you know. When you're reading a text or any book, you're kind of left up to your imagination, uh, and so when they see like how close all of these ge- these geographical markers are, right? That just they just see how close everything is, um, then they're they that sits with people, um, and they can kind of have you know when when they go back and read the scripture, they're like, oh, I've been there, like I know what this looks like, and so they can kind of yeah. <clears throat> the text informs them in a, in their mind's eye in a way that that they hadn't before. That's pretty. That, that's a pretty significant experience. Um, otherwise, you know, Southern Baptist <laughs> uh, uh, ventures, uh, pilgrimages, and include basically probably Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, where isn't it? It's like, isn't it Nashville or isn't it? <laughs> It's you know, basically there... Nashville. We we do have a quote unquote pilgrimage every year, um, in which the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention happens, and uh, but that's in a different city every year that rotates uh, from city to city. I recently returned from it. Um, uh, Twenty nineteen was in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, so about eight thousand, a little over eight thousand, um, what we call messengers from Southern Baptist churches gathered and. Uh, uh, did a mix of uh, business and voting and uh, and and music and worship and preaching. Because um, uh, so. see, Catholics are easy because they you got you know you've got Vatican City, you've got all these churches that have significance. Right. 
you know, same thing with Eastern Orthodox, you know, they, they you go to Russia, you go into the, in the, whether it's the Russia, you know, the Russian Orthodox Church or whether it's the, yeah. the, the Greek Orthodox Church, they, they have, you know, they have their shrines, they have their churches. Yeah. And that's not to, you know, I'm not devaluing, I'm saying it's, it's easy. You right. know, you can, right, right. you know, you can Google it. Boom. So <laughs> when it comes to the, the, it comes to the Baptist, I'm just kind of, so is it a church? Is it a person? Is it a rock? Is it yeah. a, you know, uh, like, is it, or is it lot, like me yeah. under the so-and-so tree? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, I just don't know. It, it's, it's potluck dinners for us, frankly. Uh, no, really? um, I mean, we, the Mormons, they have, you know, Salt Lake City. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And and then in, I went to school in Vermont and they had uh, the birthplace of uh, of Joe Smith. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. The uh, significant um, locations for Baptists and I think a lot of evangelicals, they tend to be, say, the churches of prominent historic pastors. Um, so Spurgeon, oh, okay. Spurgeon was a pastor in the UK and I, I know a lot of people go there and, and like to go to see his old church. Um, John Leland was a Baptist itinerant minister around the time of America's founding. Uh, so he has a burial place and there, <clears throat> there's a spot that is reported to be a spot where he and uh, James Madison had some important conversations about religious freedom and, and John Leland kind of, uh, used his, his community kind of his public influence to sway uh, Virginia voters to ratify the constitution. And so like, there's a, there's a marker in, uh, I think it's like Culpeper, Virginia. Um, there's a little marker that's reportedly where this, uh, uh, some of this exchange happened. So there, there are things, there are places like that, that, that have significance that are um, interesting for people to go to, but uh, predominantly, you know, those are, uh, you know, pastors when they're on vacation, they might try to hit up those kinds of spots. Huh? Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I was, I was very lucky to be a guest of the Israeli government um, in November uh -huh. of last year, and I went to Israel for the first time, and and uh, um, I, I went to the Church of the Sepulchre, and the, there was a lot of business there. There was a lot of movement. There was a lot of yeah. people. There was a lot of stuff going on, yeah. and it was wonderful to be at the Dome of the Rock and the Alexa Mosque up there, and 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 Salat out uh, with the uh, you know, go to Juma prayer and Fajr and 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 the morning prayers and stuff like that. Um, although everybody wanted to do Tahajjud, which is going there about an hour hour and a half before and 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 going through a prayer cycle and for you know we're supposed to, there's five prayer times depending on when which sect of Islam you're you're in is five or three depending on which sect you're from. But um, it's predominantly a Sunni. Sunni uh, community there, so yeah. we were doing the, the Fajr prayer, but we were doing Tajr first, and so Fajr prayer is is it's just before sun up, right? Okay. Uh, so 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 there's a, you know, it's like four in the morning, and and we're getting up at three to do oh. extra prayers, and uh, you know, it, it was it was a little, it was a bit, it was a lot, uh, sure. yeah. uh, but uh, we were doing that, and then of course we were there, and some people wanted to wait for the sunrise, and then other people wanted to do this, and and I'm. You know, I, I, I'm passionate about you know, breakfast, um, and and, uh, and the problem is, as I get halfway through a meal, I start thinking, okay, breakfast, okay, what am I doing for lunch? Right. So, 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 so that's what part of my problem. Um, but uh, so we, we had a wonderful, you know, experience there. But one of the the, the, the interesting experiences that I had was um, uh, when I went to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and I was with some of my Ismaili sisters, uh, and we it's called baraka which is like spiritualism energy you know that type of thing uh, something that you 
absorb and and feel and interact with as being a spiritual person right yeah. in 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 the, in the muslim muslim world and the death slap again i don't know what's called but the bears so they pulled hazadisa off the cross and and I, and they you know laid them laid them out on this stone and i guess washed them and did a whole bunch and wrapped them up and stuff yeah. um that's in the church of holy sepulcher and there was yeah. a there was a little bit of a moment there um, and for different traditions in Islam have different attachments to uh, Hazadisa. And you know, I always used to say when I did outdoor, when I did a, a cultural competency training, I used to teach at uh, the Foreign Service Institute for three years and and uh, teach Islam in a X context, so an Afghan context or Iraqi context. And uh, I always used to get questions about where, you know, how do we talk with the Muslim community from the Christian, you know government workers that were going out there and that and so diplomats all the way from diplomats to just uh, to, to foreign service officers who go through my training and army and yeah. military guys and i'd say well just stick with hazadisa stick with jesus you know he's this he does the same thing in islam you know uh he's coming back at the end of days and uh to open up a can on the dajjal which is the antichrist you know and and it's all the same. It's just all the same business, right? Um, so but, someday, uh, someday, John, you're, I'm, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to listen to you talk eschatology. From with your New York, uh, your lingo. I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> open up yeah, a can yeah. on. Open up a can on the Antichrist. Like that. The whole. I want to hear the whole story with that. You, know, you want <laughs> with that perspective? First, the first the Earth curled, then the dinosaurs came, and now. And, okay. Um, and and but, remind uh, me. Remind me. What what part of New York did you grow up in? So, uh, so the family, uh, you know, is originally from the city, and then yeah. uh, everybody moved upstate to okay. a place called Poughkeepsie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and while the family was still migrating back and forth. Uh, you know the family were visiting, you know, spending time with the family in the Bronx, yeah. and and uh, but that's where the family's uh, harkens from, from the Bronx, from 187 Katona, you know, back in the day. So, um, yeah, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, so. be the first book, you know, the first first Bronx, you know, first and second Bronx. You could, you know, it'd be your uh, it'd be your translation of end times. Listen, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. As a New Yorker, you know, you you kind of you don't want to. What's the uh, the thing called? What's it? It's a uh, the uh, the rapture. You don't right, want to get raptured. Right. You don't want to get raptured. No, okay. you wanna you wanna get down and, and dirty because you know you're gonna able you're gonna you're gonna be able to split some heads with the with 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 Tazadisa. You, you, you know you, what I mean? Like, you just want to be part of the revolution, John. Yeah, listen, I want that's, that's the the, the, uh, the end times apocalyptic revolution. Listen, the rage that's in these puppies. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I just I just figure that I'm, and I've got my fist going. You know, I'm like. We could, we could, we, I think he's going to need some help from some New Yorkers, you know, and, you know, so, you know, let's, let's rapture out the guys that are not going to fight right, and, and right. the rest of us are here. We're ready. We're ready for it. That's funny. Are you, you're like, that's, that's part of the, the Baptist tradition, the rapture, right? You guys are going to. Uh, Baptists are split on, on, on the, on the end time stuff. It's uh, in the, it's in a category. Well, well, and for those, for those who are listening, the rapture is like right before the end. The, the the end days right. there's a so there's belief system that that the people will uh disappear and yeah. and go to heaven the, the good people will go to heaven right right yeah well yeah the 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 elect the people who have been saved uh, go to heaven right and uh and everybody else is is, is down here so the the idea is that <clears throat> i think um the uh people who are 
left after the rapture, there are still opportunities for them to uh, find salvation in Christ, but uh, life is going to be miserable. So, uh, but it's in the category of, of end time stuff where uh, Christians could be a part of the same church and brothers and sisters of the faith and disagree on their interpretation of, of end times scripture. Okay. So the word rapture, yeah. the, word, the word rapture is actually not in the Bible, but maybe we, maybe we can talk about that another time. Uh, sure. Bring an expert on or something. But um, I, I, I will say one, as we were talking about <clears throat> um, places of um, pilgrimage, um, I know one for Protestant Christians, one, uh, one hub of interest is Geneva, Switzerland. It's the uh, it's where John Calvin, who's a uh, Protestant oh. reformer um, and theologian, yeah, the uh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of Reformation history, <clears throat> when uh, when we rebellious people were uh, splitting from the Catholic Church. There's a lot of a lot of rich history in Geneva, and so you have things like you literally have John Calvin's chair uh, in his church where you can go you can go look at it. I'm not sure if it's permitted to sit in it, but I know my parents have been there. And then there's a statue. There's a monument. It's not so much a historic relic, obviously, but uh, there's a statue of like four, four actually more um, reformed um, characters uh, from John Calvin and John Knox and Theodore Beza. So that's uh, that I know is a popular pilgrimage for a lot of people. Okay, so are you aware of the reformed roasters? The reformed roasters. What is this? Are you gonna Google it? So this is like, okay, you need to Google this because it's 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 um, it's like uh, whenever I think of Calvinism now, I all I think of is reformed roasters, which is like this. Uh, it's different. It's different coffee. It's coffee. That, it's coffee. Uh, all right. It's co- yeah, it's coffee that that is um, you know, it's I don't it's masterfully roasted to the glory of the of the one most high. Yeah. yeah. So. I, you know, so I don't know if you know, you know, they have total depravity blend. They have limited atonement, <laughs> I see limited which is, I guess, now. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, you know, where does this sit? You know, like I, I, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, all I know is it's hilarious. That's amazing. Um, They have limited, heresy coffee. Limited atonement, the roast. Limited yeah. atonement, question mark. Yes. Limited flavor. No way. So, I mean, these guys should sponsor right now, should be sponsoring this podcast they because should. we're giving they them should. this plug. Absolutely. That's number one. Number, number one. two. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sitting here going, or at least, at least send us some free coffee, but I think they have Calvin drinking a shot of coffee on his thing on the, uh, on each. Yeah, look at that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, so I don't know. So, That's great. Well, you know, all, all my reformed friends and people who are, aren't, but understand it, <laughs> the slogan is coffee that chooses you. Right. <laughs> which, <laughs> so, which gets into reformed theology for those who aren't familiar. Uh, the idea is that um, God chooses the elect uh, in advance of us uh, choosing him. So that's that's also a deep in the weeds uh, um, theological issue that uh, we don't have time for today. But uh, that's pretty funny. So that's that, sorry. This is, this is the problem. Yeah, I mean, it is, I, it's the you know, as a scholar. Is there somebody who somebody who you know studied religion oh, in no. college and all this other stuff? I think about. But the problem worse. is. That, I yeah, mean, it, well, I, I say it gets worse. Meaning the product labeling, coffee that chooses you, total de- total depravity blend. Quote because men love the dark roast. I, listen, <laughs> I, I it's not an endorsement of the product. I've never tasted it. I certainly all, have not tried it, so I can't speak. I, you know, we're, we're you and I, but are I can, coffee snobs. T- yeah, definitely. You know how we, you know, and you know, as a New Yorker, it's, it just is what. It, but I, now, anytime because as a, as a, like I said, as a, as a religious scholar, somebody who studied religion, been through all this stuff. <laughs> It's just ridiculous that when you say John Calvin, all I think about is this. 
this is the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, is, is this image of him drinking right. coffee from this guy. And uh, like I said, it might be great coffee. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And they'd be really, it'd be really great if they sponsor the, the podcast. Yeah, they, they should sponsor um, the podcast. We'll, we'll talk about them more often. They have limited atonement roast, irresistible grace roast, unconditional election roast. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so anyway, so you didn't know about this? I did all. not know about this. I'm just learning of this. Okay, you know, so yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, most high coffee, you know, ordained and directed, directive, you know. So I, I don't know. Um, That's pretty clever. Yeah, no. So you know, other, I don't. I, what, what about you? With you know, what, where have you been when you've sat down and you, all of a sudden you're you see an artifact that you didn't know. Or or that existed, or or you've been you know out and about, and all of a sudden you're, you know you're you you have you encountered anything like that in your in your travels? Uh, gosh, I I can't think of anything like, well, I, not not that like snuck up on me like uh, um, that surprised me like the the um, the Moses staff for you, um, but going to uh, <clears throat> went to Paris one time and uh, went to Notre Dame. Uh, and that was pretty powerful. You know, that's a pretty, pretty significant building. Um, pretty, uh, that sadly is, you know, experienced that fire. So I hope they rebuild it. Um, but you know, clearly has a lot of, uh, deferred maintenance on it. So that was a pretty powerful statement. I haven't really gone to a lot of historic sites, um, but the collection at the, uh, at the museum of the Bible, like they've got just a wall of, of historic scrolls, um, and just being around that many uh, is pretty powerful. And to look at ancient manuscripts <clears throat> uh, that that were you know written in you know you know early you know first you know two to two to four centuries of um, of history of or of uh, of new millennium, pretty uh, palpable to be there. And you just can feel like a more of a connection to uh, to our forebears. Yeah, I've never, I've never been to Notre, Notre Dame um, uh, Cathedral. I've been to uh, quite a few. Uh, you know, when I was in Russia, I spent, you know, big, I spent time studying Russia and first part of my career in Russia. And yeah. Some of the churches over there are just, you know, just, but they, they do a, a really good job at creating that sort of, that feeling because you know there's no only natural light and candles. Right. They have the iconography. Yeah. You know, they're they're burning just a ton of incense. You yeah. know, yeah. and uh, you know, or or. I'm trying to think of what. I, I don't know which one is burnt frankincense or myrrh. Which one is certainly I don't know, frankincense. I don't know. I'm less familiar Fra with myrrh, but certainly frankincense. Yeah, frankincense. And so they're there. You know, so you walk in and it's uh, there's you know uh, as, a, as a Muslim, it's it's uh, it's still. I always kind of joke with people because when I would sit with my we go and salat out with with the mama in, in the prayer room, you know, we, there's a we, we there would be some. Nahadi or or some Asian food, right? Uh, that that's that's Afghan or, yeah. or 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 Pakistani Central Asian food be cooking, and so you'd have this the the, the taste of uh, sweet meats and kofta and all kinds of other stuff, and then we'd go into the, the prayer room and we'd sell it out, and of course we'd have the incense and everything else, we'd come out of the prayer room, and we and I and uh, I, I'd have to change because I'd be smelling my clothes and I smell like dinner and and prayer. Uh, and I always would joke that we, I smell like Islam. You know, there's always a a, 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 a type of a, a mixture of, of of smells that come out of uh, yeah. an Afghan uh, house, um, and uh, and so it's uh, 
um, I think that there there's something to do, something to there's something to, to the idea of creating the atmosphere of you know with the incense and this and that and everything else. And the yeah, yeah. Eastern Orthodox Church is really good with that. No, yeah, um, I, mean, I can I can only imagine the uh, the uh, just the the aesthetic experience of of those smells and and the lighting and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, um, so yeah. What, so, what else we have on the agenda? What else would you? What, what else is? What burning desires do you have today? I don't know. I, th- I think we're up against the time, man. I think, Are we? Uh, yeah. You know, we should you know do a shout out uh, to our our listeners to ask them, you know, what is hot, what's sexy to them that they want us to talk about yeah. that we can. Between the two of us, we can offer at least six or seven opinions between the two of us. But <laughs> we can um, shoot from the hip all, all day long, right. whether or not it's oh, credible. But, you know, that's, a, that's right, a right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always say I'm not taking any positions, and I'm, I'm not sure I know what I'm talking about. But the other side of it is, is that we, you know, we can bring in experts. Uh, we can bring in all the, as many people as we need to bring in to discuss the issues, and we're happy to do so. So. This has been Crossing Phase with John Pinna and Matt Hawkins, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. You can continue the conversation with us if you dare on Twitter via at MTHawk or at JT Pinna. Love it or hate it, we'd appreciate your review of our program wherever you glean your favorite podcasts, especially in the iTunes store. Sponsorships are available for Crossing Phase podcast, big or small. If you'd like to explore what a sponsorship might look like, just reach out to me on Twitter at MTHawk or through crossingphase.fireside.fm. Music for this episode is by Scott Buckley via scottbuckley.com.au, and we proudly host Crossing Phase on the fireside.fm podcast platform. Uh, you know, I have a, there's a reason why I, well, this is a podcast, because I have a face for radio, <laughs> certainly not for television. Well, so. I, I wasn't going to say it, John, but, you know. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It is what it is. So, you know, we so we have to sometimes just accept who we are. Wait, you know, so. you rock the beard better than I can. No well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's it, it, would, uh, take, it would take me a year to do what you accomplish. I, well, I appreciate that. You know, the, it, I wish that there was some money in the beard, but right. uh, there there isn't. You know, so. Um, but in in any event, uh, like I said, appreciate your time, Matthew, and 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 uh, you know this, these conversations that we've had over the years. Um, hopefully, there's uh, our our listeners appreciate them, and uh, and we can um, help uh, ourselves and and work with the with the community to to help uh, the multi faith uh, community come closer together. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, John.